Welcome to the Hallmark Cafe. I'm Michael. And I'm Diane. Come on in. Your table is ready. Wow, do we have a show for you today? It's a blockbuster. It is a blockbuster. It is. It's really good. We have been watching so many good movies. I know. A couple weeks. We haven't done anything else. We did get to sing yesterday. That was fun. We did a singing thing. Yeah, a little singing thing, and and, Uh, uh, that was fun. That was fun. It's always fun to get together with our friends. I know, so that was fun to to sing. And then, uh, uh, yeah, we sang one of our Christmas songs live. That was fun. Uh, Well, the, yeah, one of our two Christmas songs. First time of the... Christmas uh, in Maine. Yeah. First time of yeah. uh, of the season to sing that live. That was fun. Well, you know, I tried to kind of you know put you out there to to because you wrote the Christmas in Maine song. Yeah, for yeah. me, and so I I tried to get. I said uh, to the audience, I said, you know, Michael's available to write a song about your state. <laughs> I got several <laughs> then, requests afterwards. I I, it was funny though. Well, it's great when that woman came up. She said she was from. She was from Maine and, and from and where you're from, right around the corner, basically, and said that when I said that, she was going to come up and ask you to write a song about Maine, and then we did it. We sang a song about Maine. And then but, she said, "No, I want a different." And one. she was from your. No. She lived where your mother was born, right? So that's that was right. Nice. Yeah, that was kind of cool. That was yeah. really. Cool. I love really stuff fun. like that. Yeah. So, so we we've done some of that, but we've also done some uh, movie watching. And, a lot uh, of movie watching. This right. was, a, you know, this is the big Thanksgiving weekend occurred. Yeah. So like we two movies a night or something. I can't keep up. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, and we try to, we sometimes have to watch them twice just to, you know, get our notes or just to get a, a different feel from the first impression. Yeah. And now, let me just preface this by saying we're going to give you the 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 menu items today, but that does not mean that other certain uh, items will not on subsequent podcasts find their way to the menu. You'll just it have just, to find you'll out. You'll just have to find out. So well we chose this one because hey it was such it was like the big movie of the weekend. We had to start off and, with the big one. And uh, we just wanted to get this yeah. get this done because uh, it was literally the last one we just watched and we liked it so much. <laughs> That's so true. and we're talking of course about a Biltmore Christmas. Yes. Synthetic cinema's fourth and final offering for the, the Christmas season. And, and uh, I think I think it was the first. Uh, it was one, the, the one, first the first movie one they, they shot. First actually. movie they made, and yeah. and this movie was this made year. almost a year ago back in Asheville. So it's been, yeah. it's been a lot of uh, people not talking about it all this time. Boy, they kept a lot of secrets. Well, I mean, let's good. talk about that. It was shot at the Biltmore Hotel in mm-hmm. Asheville, uh, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and a beautiful place. My sister actually worked there. Back in the mid, I know. early eighties. That's part of your family it's kind history. Of a mystery. Yeah, this, it's kind of a mystery. Your family history lore. There. Yeah, and it was. It was actually her story could be on Hallmark movies <laughs> mystery. Maybe I should just write that. So I'll, I'll go. I'll ask her. She'll sell me the rights. Do they have a little? They have a little plaque for her in the hotel <laughs> no, when you go in. Think, nothing I, like that. I don't no? think so. No, no. they didn't mm. save her uniform. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Nobody beautiful hotel, gorgeous hotel. Yeah. Um, it's uh, we have some friends that that went there and visited, and they watched the movie. They thought it was great. So uh, they're that's in, true. They're in yeah. our, on our on our uh, you know Hallmark Cafe uh, Facebook group, which and is nice now. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun to hear the stories from people in the group about what they know about certain things. And I mean, we talk all the time. We we digress and we diverge all over the place and that's talk right. about our lives. But we like to hear your stories we too. We do. Yeah. You know so. what? What are some of your stories? So it was fun to hear from people that had actually been there and toured the place and. Uh, anyway, Biltmore Christmas, why don't you give me some ingredients? All right, well, a Biltmore Christmas, which, uh, of course, we've mentioned aired this past weekend, was directed by John Putsch, uh, written by Marcy Holland. Uh, it's from Synthetic Cinema again, so that means Andrew Gernhard and Dustin Reichert are the executive producers. Uh, we have the composer Tommy Fields, 
cinematographer Andrew Rawson, and the editor Kat Spees. So she did a great yeah. job. Yeah. So yeah. I always like to hear the women editors, since I am one. I know it's kind of cool. Not at that caliber. No, but, but it, it's, but it's, it's cool. fun to hear that. You know, I I love when when women are editing these these movies. I know, yeah. but you, let's say you got a chance to talk to Kat, you could talk color correction. It'd be great. <laughs> I know. Talk color and correction there was for half an hour. Yeah, there was. Uh, so uh, my uh, recipe goes like this. So what do you get when you pair Bethany Joy Lenz with Christopher Palaha in a very plausible time traveling romance? Uh, set in one of the most beautiful mansions in the in the United States. Yes, and this, of course, we're talking about plausible being the the operative word here because it is actually plausible. This whole time travel thing. It is plausible, and, and, and the way they've written it, it's very plausible. It could happen. Maybe it could happen. It, at least it's believable. Yeah. So. Uh, so, well, uh, at least it's accessible. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, uh, if you have an hourglass, which we do. Yeah. Uh, so Bethany Joy Lines plays Lucy Hardgrove, a screenwriter tasked by a studio to write the remake of the classic 1947 movie, His Merry Wife. And of course, that we're talking about a classic black and white movie, stars, starlets, uh, great looking in the vein of you know it's I guess it's a wonderful life or what are, what are some of the other movies? Well, just it? in 1947 alone, where this this movie was supposed to be made, the Merry Wife, uh, his we had Merry Wife. oh his Merry Wives. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I was looking not at to some correct of you, yeah. but his yeah Merry Wife. Uh, like the Bishop's Wife was made that year. Mm-hmm. Could have been his Bishop's Wife. Uh, let's see Uh, Miracle on 34th Street was made that year okay yeah Uh, The Ghost and His Mrs. Muir no The Ghost and Mrs. Muir (laughs) His Ghost and Mrs. Muir that was made that year and uh, It Happened on 5th Avenue which is uh, kind of a gem that people are rediscovering that was made that year an old Hmm. black and white movie yeah that's a Christmas movie. And It's Wonderful Life was just made in 1946 before this, you know, so, you know, it was that period of time where Hollywood discovered, let's make Christmas movies. So, yeah, not that Ghost yeah. of Mrs. Muir is a Christmas movie, but it has a ghost Could have been. Yeah, you could, you could make that a Christmas. Let's do a yeah. remake on that and make it a Christmas But those movie. were all black and white yeah. movies and, you know, classically so. So, so she she's supposed to, Lucy's supposed to rewrite uh, or write a more modern version or an updated right. version of this classic movie done by the Balaban Studios, which is, I, I wonder where they got that. Anyway. Well, I was thinking of the actor Bob Balaban for some reason, and, you, you know, people have seen him in movies for years. I wondered, is that kind of an inside thing? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe. Yeah. But it's a good, it Homage. sounds like a, a big, you know, studio Yeah, thing, it does, but, yeah. Uh, so the grandson of the movie mogul for Balaban, who, uh, the movie mogul who originally made uh, the uh, His Merry Wife, and and they actually shot it in the movies, you know, in this particular movie, they shot uh, his merry wife in at the Biltmore Hotel. Right. So uh, she he wants to send her to the Biltmore Hotel where they made that movie in hopes that she'll get inspired to write a happier ending the way that that it ended in the in the, the original. Yeah. And so uh, she's not very happy about that. She thinks it should be more real, more modern. You know, let uh, let the voices of today. Uh, you know, make the ending. So right, but uh, so Lucy arrives, and when she's given a tour of the hotel by manager Winston, played by Jonathan Frakes, and he, uh, you know, he takes her through a couple of displays. So she passes by all this memorabilia, and she sees amongst the plaques of the three principal uh, actors in the movie uh, the the plaque for Jack Houston. Mm-hmm. Who the picture's there? It's Christopher Palaha looking very dapper, 
and dashing. And uh, sadly, it, it and says apparently that, dead. Yeah, <laughs> didn't make it. Sadly, yeah, he uh, sadly he he passed away right. on Christmas Eve, you know, December twenty fourth, nineteen forty eight, a year after the movie was released. Right. So Winston takes Lucy into the the big library. He said where. He doesn't take everybody, but you know this is a special deal. She's she's actually f- with the studio, so uh, and there's an hourglass on the on the desk, and uh, she she asks about it, and he said, "Oh, that's that's not a prop. That actually was gifted to the Biltmore, and has a lot of special meaning." And so she notices a couple things. There's a crack in it, and this and that. Uh, so Winston leaves the room to for something and she gets a phone call from the studio so she's on the phone and she hears a noise and the the hourglass has fallen over onto the desk uh, sideways so while she's on the phone she picks it up and stands it up and you think she stands it up the wrong way or the other way no it doesn't i don't think it it really matters which way so she stands it up and the line goes dead and she doesn't know what's happened she thinks she's just lost service so she leaves the room to look for service and we notice that Things have changed in the room a little bit. Um, the The Christmas tree lights are now uh, multicolored Christmas like old lights. Old fashioned yeah. style, yeah. And so she leaves, and she's got her nose on the phone, you know, basically trying to. And what's funny is that as soon as she leaves the the library, everything's changed. There's uh, there are people in in period costumes, and a movie uh, set is obviously in progress you know movies obviously in progress because there are lights there are cables there are old-fashioned old-fashioned lights lights, old-fashioned equipment but she doesn't really see any of it she's looking for service so she's just climbing over cables it's one of those classic things where she's walking ahead looking at a phone and she's walking through all this stuff doesn't even doesn't even notice it we notice it yeah until she gets to a guy sitting in a director's chair uh with his head behind a script and asks him if if he knows where she can get some service and in 1947, that's going to mean something completely different. And so that's pretty funny. It's gonna, well, on a movie set, it's going to make, oh, that's true. make something that's true too. be completely different. Because, you know, we, we now every day will say, I, I don't get don't have any service. Uh, but it's our phones. Which, which sounds rather entitled. It does. Think about, kind of, I don't yeah. have any service. service no. Oh. But he, he thinks she means craft service, which yeah. is pretty funny. So, so here we have Lucy and uh, Jack meet for the first time. And, uh, you know, it's one of those movies where it's instant chemistry oh yeah these guys i mean they're so i don't know they just light up on their own they put them together and it's just ridiculous how bright it is <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah yeah no this was this was cast this golden casting here so uh she doesn't know what's going on uh she does ask him about the 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 ending to the movie you know saying you know it's too bad yeah, you know what's wrong with the original ending, whatever, and then she freaks out and runs back to the library, just in time for the 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 hourglass to run out of time, and then she's back in the present. Right, and it freaks her out, and that that's the beginning of this incredibly well written time travel mystery. Right, it's just it's just amazing, because you know Lucy's character, she's not going to just let it stay there. She's going to want to go back. So now we get to go back and... and we get to go on the adventure with her. We get to go her. on the adventure with her. Yeah. So the, the movie has a few more co-stars, uh, including in, in the past and in the present, uh, one of whom is Margaret, who is one of the women on the tour when Winston is giving them the tour. Right. And uh, she's, she's kind of a starstruck and uh, very well-knowledged fan of his merry wife. Right. She, she knows all the answers to things. Yep, yep. She'd be called a, a wifey. 
A wifey. Instead of a hearty or oh, a, to be a wifey. hallmarky, oh, she would be a wifey. Geez. Anyway, she uh, she gets swept up in this, uh, you know, strange logistical romance as well. She's great in this, by the way, a.k.a. Benninghoff. And she, she has her own little story to tell, right. I think, uh, on how she got into this movie. But she did a really, really great job of playing kind of us. Exactly, the yeah. The one who would be us if we were in the movie trying to help and, you know, make things come out right. So uh, she's great. And then... Uh, of course, there's the, the director, there's, you know, all the... Well, let's mention a couple of the other actors in the movie. Robert Picardo is in this movie. Tommy Cresswell plays uh, a, an important part. Ava Hayward, the, the co-star of the movie, she's played by Annabelle Bork. And the the male lead of the movie, you know, of the old movie, whose name is Claude Lancaster, is played by Colton Little. So these are the main characters and in the movie. He was extremely, I mean, he really fit it's the part. Good. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. You know, he had the little cleft in his chin. Yeah, he had the, yeah. the chiseled look. I mean, the, the the way they actually got everything to look on on uh, when you watch the movie for the old, when you were watching what you thought was the old black and white movie, was really fantastic i thought you know because it really looked like one of the old black and white movies the whole the way they did the contrast and the the shadows and the lighting and all that stuff it looked really good yeah the the right ratio yeah attempt at Mm -hmm. making it look like a movie yeah you know and and the scenes and the actors acted differently in those scenes when you saw them right you know they had kind of an old-fashioned style of acting yeah yeah they had the the wardrobe was great the mid-atlantic accent and all of this stuff so it was that was very well done, I thought. Yeah, so, yeah. and it made you feel like you were really in this adventure, right? And now, now, time travel movies are—I mean, they're kind of a specialty they all are. their own. Yeah. It's whenever I watch a time travel one, I'm always going, "Okay, how are they going to get us to go through to the other side and believe it and have it all come out right?" And uh, Marcy Holland did a great job writing she this. Did. She knew exactly where she was going, yeah. and she got there with uh, just. Um, an immense amount of wit and humor and drama and and uh, a sort of a dedication to the uh, you know to the point you know she didn't she, uh, nothing stood out to me as being well this really movie off felt track. like as if you were reading a book it'd be a really good book yeah you know? exactly it felt yeah, like yeah. It, you know you didn't even notice the time going by you didn't want it to end you know it it was a real page turner in that regard so yeah and I mean the characters were so charming yeah. and, and and I was also really glad. They didn't put a lot of special effects in the, in this movie. Hardly any, really. I mean, they had no. a couple of places where I could tell it was probably blue screen, but um, and uh, we won't talk about that because people will watch it themselves. But uh, you know, and the, they probably the, won't in notice. the hourglass, uh, yeah. yeah, and they and won't the, care. And the, and the hourglass part that was the only part they kind of did a little bit of magic to the hourglass, yeah, sand to kind of let you know that something was happening, something different was happening. Well, it was like an old-fashioned movie that yeah. didn't have a lot of special effects like that, right? You know? And also, I and, was and actually in that way, it was kind of refreshing. So. It was. I mean, less is more in this yeah, one. Yeah. And uh, I also like the fact that when they send her back in time, they did not put her in black and white, which would have been a drag because right. the costuming is so beautiful. I mean, that would have been a... And that, that made you feel a, like you're really you know, back there. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, yeah. I mean, they did, you know, the editor did a great job on this this uh, uh, this movie. And, you know, the the, the color specialists, I, I liked how they did. They treated the, 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 uh, the color in the past a little differently than the color in the future or in the present. Uh, they gave it a little bit more of a yellow... Hue, little right. gold, yellow, yeah. just slightly though. Not they didn't overdo it. If you know, I, d- I wouldn't have noticed it much at all, except when they would abruptly shift back to the other, uh, to the present. Right. You could tell the difference. Right, you know, that it had a little more blue and it a little more realistic color. But um, it was it was just really well done. The, everything they did was, um, 
I, it just, they did it really well. I'm going to mention, because we always talk about music, Tommy Field's score, uh, his score was great, and it, it sounded like it was fully orchestrated. It, right. It looks like, it sounded like they spent a little bit more money on preparing it wasn't all the, computer, you know. Comparing the score for this movie, and it was really sounded like a, a, a bigger budget movie, which was really nice. Um, and the fact that it was on location, and it seemed like, there was a lot of attention to detail to each right, scene. The right. modern scenes and the past scenes really made you feel like you were watching a grander yeah. movie than you normally would see. They found some pretty good rolling stock. Some of the old cars. Yeah. They found yeah. Some oh, yeah. They had to, I think Could they, have used a little bit more. I read they used like 10 or 12 uh, yeah. classic cars from the really 40s. And, and the, the wardrobe, the costume yeah. department. Oh, my gosh. You know, they... I, I don't know where they found all that stuff, but boy, they... Well, really... they, they did, or they created it, and yeah. I did read also there were a lot of local production people who are right. working movies who actually live in the area, and they were hired onto the film, and that was kind of cool. Yeah. So they were yeah. uh, working on the film, and there's there's article there are articles online you can find all over the place about this movie that tell yeah. you much more about the background than we'll probably be able to tell you here. Yeah, that's true. It's really worth researching, and apparently uh, you can uh, go to the to the Biltmore now and see the costumes that uh, Palaha and and uh, uh, Joy were wearing in this movie. Just like you could oh, go yeah, see it yeah. in the movie, in the movie. So like a costume... So like a costume movie within a movie display right. within a display. So, so I, yeah. I, I, And you can see the the, um, the hourglass. Yeah. So yeah. I suspect that there's going to be a big Christmas for the Biltmore. I think a lot of yeah. people are going to go there. If we live closer, I'd go. You know, it's going to be a big Christmas uh, for them. Great. To, It'd be great for to, them. For people to come and yeah. experience the whole Christmas thing. And place. now they get... To get to see part of the movie, you know. So. That's not the only movie that's been shot there. Oh, no, there have been lots of one movies. One of your favorites. One of my favorite movies uh, that was shot there was a movie called Being There with Peter Sellers in 1980. And uh, the hotel... That's incredible I mean, movie. sorry, the Biltmore plays a, a much more pivotal role in that movie than some other uh, the other movies that have been made there. And, and you know, you, to me, the last scene in that movie, which I won't tell you, is one of the best scenes ever in, in a the movie. Being There? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, the Biltmore yeah. plays a yeah, prominent part true. in that, so... So uh, the other thing I want to mention was there's one moment when uh, Margaret is trying to delay uh, Winston, and she, I, to me, immediately I thought of Danny Kaye in uh, Holiday Inn. No, <laughs> uh, no, it was a White Christmas. A White Christmas. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> was See, that's like Rio up. Bravo in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and El Dorado. El Dorado. Which one is which? Which, which one? one's Walter Brennan in and which one? <laughs> anyway, yes. White and you Christmas. never get that right. It's so, so funny. You know, very funny. Uh, so, well, yeah, White Christmas where Danny Kaye is distracting uh, the, the, the general, the general is, yeah. and he, he does the old lame leg thing. Yeah, and yeah. like That's all I could think of. Was it? That was, I don't it's, know if it was an unconscious um, I don't know. throwback, but it made me think it of that. Was random. There were a couple of homages to a couple of different movies yeah, uh, and yeah. things in this in this movie, which was, was a cool. black and white movie, too. Yeah, that was a color movie. You're thinking of Holiday oh. Inn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going to edit that oh, No, I'm not leaving that in there. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I only had really (laughs) one kind of uh, back to the kitchen. Are we ready for back to the kitchen? Uh, Anything else you I wanted to mention that the one cast member in this movie that I got to work with before was Robert Picardo. Uh, He was in a a CBS School Break special I produced called Two Teens and a Baby. Nicest guy in the world. But in this movie, he plays the really mean uh, movie Bigger than life movie movie Yeah, and he's really, he's like coming and chewing all the scenery, but he's he's a really great actor. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to mention that. So, So, uh, but as far as back to the kitchen, there wasn't, 
what I had was it's kind of major, but it doesn't make me not like the movie. So, but to oh, me, yeah. it was just it's just one word. It's just mm-hmm. diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I understand that you know going back in time, you're going to have certain issues to deal with. But for the current modern time, I really would have liked to have seen more, uh, even just in background, more right. diversity. But they definitely had room on the lead cast for somebody. Uh, of color or you know i, don't I understand know. It that just, yeah, it just yeah. kind of bothered me yeah it's like stuck I, I can in my see brain. That. i agree with that however uh everybody that did play the part was fantastic the good feel that i got from this movie was you know making movies i've worked in making movies and on sets and everything and it's just a wonderful experience to work on a movie set and be part of that and so i thought they kind of captured that it kind of captured the whole you're in a world of your own yeah yeah because you are that would be so much fun to work in an environment like that where you're all it's like a family and you've you know from the security guard to the director you're just right you're all in this bubble of taking care of each other well it's cool when you you know i've been a producer so you're standing there on the day you get finally get to the set and you figured it all out and you're there and it's all happening and you look around and all the people who are there are people that you've hired right that you've brought in to do this just like you've cast the actors you've cast the crew and it's the most wonderful feeling yeah. and if you've done it well runs like a clock you know you'll have some little things you've got to deal with but mostly it's what you've planned out and boy it's just really exciting so i love seeing that i always love seeing that and it's interesting yeah. to think about being able to and this is a tradition that's gone way back in movie history that all movie sets are pretty much the same um, and to see that in this movie depicting a 1940s production, I thought, man, it would have been really cool yeah, to be yeah. part of a movie way back then. You yeah. know, so. And I was asking you, and you were saying that there may not have been quite the female presence on a movie in no, the, the mid-40s. Not as much, no. But, uh, you know, that's Yeah, it that's was okay. very much dominated. Didn't have to be totally yeah. realistic. It was dominated by men, even in departments like the costume and the makeup, you know. Uh, departments, you would think, oh, those are yeah. you know women's roles. Not necessarily in those days. Men did a lot of the the, the roles. Most that, of uh, them, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but in this movie, we see a few more women, and that's fine. But um, you know, the, the the we really, when I was working in movies in the eighties and nineties, really began to have hire a lot more women doing all kinds of roles right. in production, and that was great. So, yeah. this is a this was a bigger budget movie for Hallmark, and they you know obviously spent more money on it than probably. I, well, it definitely they did. looked like all the money was on the on the yeah, screen so, on this one. Yeah, you know, I I was really I was really impressed. The movie it. will draw you in. You'll just really enjoy the characters. It's a romance. It's a true. Yeah, it's like a real Hollywood romance, and yeah. it's kind of a throwback. It kind of makes you feel like. Uh, you're watching something from another era. Right. It's really, uh, it's quite good. It had a feature film feel to it. And, you know, that's a great thing. And, you know, my hat is off to Hallmark for pulling this off. Yeah, and synthetic. And, uh, of course, uh, I mean, I I was a little bit, like I watched it, especially the second time I thought, that Winston, he knows something more than what, I mean, he played, Frank definitely played the part as if he, maybe he was a little bit more of an orchestrator than just a, you know, bystander. So we'll see what, what the people think when they watch it. I, what do you think? I'm, I'm thinking maybe people will probably be clamoring for some kind of sequel oh, to yeah, this movie. Yeah. So I don't Sooner know. Sooner than later. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I've read that Jonathan enjoyed making this movie. So yeah. uh, who knows? Yeah. I don't know. So. Oh, there's that one wonderful magic scene. I always look for these magic moment scenes yeah. where uh, Palaha and uh, Joy are at the piano and he's playing yeah, that yeah. and he's playing the piano and they sing a, a a Christmas song. It's yeah. just a beautiful, that's wonderful, a wonderful scene. scene. That's yeah, that's true. The whole movie 
that was the just one full of great moments. That's the scene that just makes me smile when I think about yeah. that because it had this really magic moment to it. So and it had it had just enough a little bit of a camp feel to it, yeah, you know, a little campy, yeah. uh, but in the right moments, it never took away from the actual story, and no. it just added to the whole um, sort of I don't know fantasy. Right, element, so. and, and you know you're going to see uh, Joy Lenz and Pala at their peak. They're really, really good in this movie. Beautiful people doing beautiful work. It's so. just yeah. excellent. So yeah. you know, it's not like we're probably talking to people who have seen this movie. Or no, I know. I don't if think you people say, you know, movie. I'm not going to watch that. I know movie. that's true. They think they're going to watch this movie, but but just in case, you know, this will live on as a non-spoiler type of thing because exactly. we don't like to spoil things. Exactly. We like to let people. Enjoy the movie. Yeah, so, so go go watch it, and then you'll probably want to watch it again. Yeah, so. that's true. So when we come back, we if you think it doesn't get any better, this this dessert today is possibly, I don't know, I think it's my top two. It might it's be right up two. there. It's, it's a like, really you know, fun movie. Yeah, so we'll be right back with dessert. So, Michael, this is really exciting. This this episode marks the first episode we've had an outside sponsor. I know. Can you believe it? But we, we're so excited that uh, Sharon... Taylor has sponsored our, our podcast, and uh, she's really excited. So we're going we're gonna to let her tell you about her story. Yes, good idea. I'm Sharon Taylor, and if you love the Hallmark movie, A Merry Scottish Christmas, then Taylor's Croft is the place for you. With a huge selection of authentic Celtic gifts and goods from Scotland, Ireland, and the UK, here you can find Scottish kilts, accessories, bagpipes, clothing for women and for men, Harris tweed bags, food, candies, a complete Outlander section, Celtic jewellery and more. We are located in Grand Junction, Colorado and we ship anywhere in the US. Go to our website to order today at taylorscroft.com and tell us that you heard about us on the Hallmark Cafe. From my homeland to yours, cheerio for now. We've recorded two original Christmas songs on our two-song single, Christmas in Maine. There's snow on the beaches and ice on the lakes And the glow from the fire is all that it takes To warm all the love for you my heart contains I'll always treasure Christmas in Both of our Christmas songs are available on Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and others to download or stream. Or visit thekillins.com to hear these songs and more of our music. Okay, the accordion always means we're coming back for dessert. We're coming back. That's right. Coming back for dessert. The uh, Scottish accordion. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this movie is definitely at the top of my list. And you know what's funny oh, yeah. is that I think I did say yes. I would, I would probably put I it on the menu. I thought on your list it didn't say no, yes. No, it, it did oh, say okay. Oh, yes. maybe I didn't say uh, yes. Maybe you didn't. No, I did say yes. No, actually, now I'm confused. I might have said no. You said no. I probably did I know, say no. I remember Because that. I'm not a big, like, Santa Claus movie fan, <laughs> so I'm thinking that. Oh, but this one had me laughing out loud from 
from the get-go. Oh, yeah. I mean, from the get-go. It was just, it was great. It has so many, <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about this movie. I was laughing while I was writing my synopsis. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, so we're talking about Catch Me If You Claws. Uh, so tell me some of the ingredients in this one, Michael. Catch Me If You Claws was directed by Bradley Walsh and written by the fabulous Nina Weinman. Oh, well. Which tells you something right I there. I should have known right then yeah. that it was going to be good. Yeah. And uh, let's see, the music was by Ari Posner, uh, the DP was William Smith, and the editor, Lauren Brandon. All right. So another woman editor. I like yeah, that. Oh, I'm telling you. So the recipe is as follows. Mix one cup of Italia Ritchie. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me laugh. <laughs> okay, go. uh, Italia Ritchie plays Avery. Uh, she's a researcher at a local TV news network who is trying to break into anchoring the broadcast. Even though she's the daughter of a famous newscaster, she gets turned down. She's mm-hmm. not too happy. Now, the station has a, they have a great supporting cast, including her friend Talia, uh, who is very supportive of her and very funny. Uh, as well as the news anchors, and and this made me laugh immediately, Bink Binkerson. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Bink Binkerson. I don't know where they got with that, but that was great. That was great, Nina Wyman. And Misty McCallan, a blonde stereotype with terrible hygiene and boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you have to figure that one out when you see the movie. Uh, this actually works. Uh, the 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 poor the poor hygiene and boundaries actually works in Avery's favor, uh, because uh, even though she's turned down based on her audition, old Misty gets laryngitis. I wonder how <laughs> over the holiday, <laughs> and leaves. And this leaves only Avery to anchor the Christmas morning news. So, uh, also in the, in the prep for this dessert, uh, is the fact that the mayor is facing accusations of fraud and there is a Santa crook breaking into lots of houses in the neighborhood, uh, Santa crook dressed as Santa, uh, stealing from safes in all these wealthy right. households. So, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, so the night before her broadcast or big break, Avery is awakened by noises in the other room of her house. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she goes to investigate and surprises a Santa clad stranger near the tree. He is startled into stumbling into something and he whacks his head. Uh, (laughs) I can't do this without laughing. (laughs) I need to see the scene. Uh, And when he awakens, he's been tied up with Christmas lights uh, by Avery, who thinks he's the Santa crook. Uh, If you know, the, just the setup alone was just, I don't know. These writers, especially Nina, they're so good at finding. At the setup. They're just finding the, the, just the total nugget of right. what, to set this thing up. And then it just, it's hilarious. However, uh, the Santa crook is only Luke McFarlane, who is Santa or son of Santa in this case. Right. Uh, leaving a gift under the tree. Uh, well, the gift is actually meant for the girl next door, so you can see already how Luke's, uh, how Chris is, well, he's a, is going. He's a, he's a novice. He's, he's, just, he's, getting kinda, started. he's just getting started. Yeah. He hasn't really owned the boots yet. Right. So uh, he he wakes up and instantly, <laughs> I can't. See, you, you can't. can't I, you know, you can't say anything about can this. Can you get through this? You, I, I can't because I can't say anything about what happens after that because you have to watch the movie. But. It's just hilarious. So you have the real Santa Crooks. You have Avery, who thinks that this is the Santa Crook. And then they have to sort of untangle that whole mess. And he has to figure out how to convince her. And she has to figure out how she's going to handle all this and still get on the air in the morning. So she's thinking, I've broken the story of the 
the the great Santa heist. So I can use this, and it'll just cement my my stardom in the morning. You know, my my it'll c- cement my ability to get this job for real in the morning. Well, it's interesting because as, you, as you're talking about it now, uh, son of Santa is trying to prove to his father that he can do the job. Right. And sh- and. Uh, Natalia Ritchie, she's trying to prove to the station that she can do the job. That's true. Yeah, so that's really, I thought that was yeah, kind of interesting. interesting. I just, when you were saying that, oh, that makes sense to me yeah, now. So you've got a double story going and on. And so they're just desperately trying to go through the night. It's one of those, you know, up all night kind of movies. They're trying to get up all night, straight, think, straightened out. They're going through, they're meeting all these wacky characters. Oh, I think some, Italia Ritchie plays this so well. She is so, uh, she, I I can't even. I can't even think she of the word. She is hilarious. I want. She's hilarious. And McFarlane, McFarlane is just probably the best role he's played in a Hallmark movie. Seriously. Then there were two things that happened. In this, it's probably more, but there's at least two things that happened yeah. in this movie that are so like not Hallmark. <laughs> but <laughs> we must talk we, about those. We, no, we can't talk about those. Well, we they can have to see one them. Of them. No, we can't. Yes, we can. Which one? Well, you know that scene that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> no, we can't talk about it. Oh, they have come to on. because to to reveal anything about this movie, I think, is really to spoil it because it all sort of goes together, and so you have to watch it from the beginning and just take the ride. It is just hysterical. I mean, it is funny. There's a one Her delivery, his delivery. Well, at one point, at one point they they come across a, a group of of uh, Christmas thespians, thespians, yeah, uh, who have just. <laughs> You performed a Christmas Carol or something, and uh, they, they, well, I call them misfit thespians. That's true. <laughs> the land of misfit toys, you, you know. know and and these are thespians. They, and they're just at the Christmas Carol. They go in there. The Tiny Tim's, you know, the bartender. It's just, it makes no sense. It's hilarious, um, but it's just you just have to. It's one of those you're going to go along for the ride. There's a little bit of a, kind of an elfish feel to this movie, like Elf. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's, yeah, it doesn't make yeah. any sense in a way. But, um, then it all makes sense. It's, it's just the way that the way that Nina Wyman brought it all back together and solved everything. I know it's very satisfying. It's very funny, and I will I will watch this every time. It's oh, on. I know, I know. Because I, mean, I don't think I've ever laughed. I mean, you know, you always do this laugh out loud thing, but I was literally crying in some of the scenes. It was very funny. And we, it was so funny. You know, we had our friends over to watch this movie with us. That's right. Night, That's and right. We were laughing. It was just a funny movie. But then we watched it again because we had to see it again. You know, we know. had to make our That's notes. True. But then we watched it again. I don't know what we did. But Well, it, I started watching it to take my notes, but I couldn't take my notes because <laughs> I just started notes. watching it and started <laughs> laughing again. So this is a this is one of my, I would say, right up there at the top in my, right. my favorite funny movies. Because of these two, and I am so hoping that there's a sequel just to have it, I just know. to have it continue. There's got to be, you know. know. You, and Luke you, McFarlane and, is, wow. I mean, he's just, he's he's so adorable, and he's so. But in this movie, like everything you think about his charm and his his looks and everything, it all comes together in like a perform a performance that is. Over the moon. It's Just great the performance. Top. Both yeah, of them. Both of them are fantastic, and it's it's like the movie we talked about about the Biltmore Christmas. Perfect casting. They had great chemistry. They mm-hmm. played off each other really well. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I'm sure that when they were making this movie, they must have been in fits of hysteria trying oh, to get through some of these please, scenes because it, it please, must have been. I want to see the outtakes. There have to be outtakes from this. Movie. Really want to see be the hilarious. Outtakes. But so. and, you know, and I don't mean to say it's to sound like I suppose that everything I've said sounds a bit like it's just like on 10 all the time, like Santa Summit you know, right. or something. But it's not. There are moments that are so sweet and so intimate, and yet, and yeah, I can say intimate in its hallmark, and I'm just going to say intimate on purpose. Right. And and then there are moments of hysterical hilarity, and it's just it's just great. The, the emotions go all over the place. I'm not going to say it because you don't want me to say it, but they are trying to run away from the bad guys at one point, 
They and, find a very unique way to hide from the bad guys. And it's really, really good and pretty interesting for Hallmark. I was stunned. I was like, what? Hallmark, what, am I, what am I seeing here? Hallmark did this scene. Whoa. So th- now that we've said that, good. now you have to see this movie to figure out yeah. what we're talking about. And also, now I'm wondering what my pivotal gift was as a kid. You know, I th- talk about a pivotal gift. Do you have a pivotal gift? I know what gift? it was. I, my pivotal gift was when uh, I was in ninth grade and I got my drum set. Oh. Because then I was so able to set up the drum set. I couldn't play anything before. I was not a musician. So then I became a drummer. And that was right. the, when I felt like a musician. And that was a pivotal gift for me. Yeah. I was so excited to get that drum set. And, and you know, then You're later on... You're actually a pretty good drummer. I've yeah, I, I play drums, you I know. know. Maybe I'll get you a, a set of drums. We played in the kids' band once. You know, the, the, oh, uh, my gosh. The Cat McCool. Cat McCool band. I think there might be a video of us dressed Hello, up David. as... David. We're talking about you, David, dressed, and Cat McCool. Yeah, dressed up as cats. As dressed up as cats, I was yeah. playing keyboard. We've only had a very really interesting, key, uh, interesting career. Drums. I was playing drums. But that was your pivotal but gift. That was my pivotal gift because it made me feel like something for the first time in my life. I felt like, oh, I'm... I can play. I'm a, I'm a this, musician. I'm a that. I'm yeah, a this, yeah, I'm a that. True. Yeah. And I think that's what he meant by the pivotal gift. So yeah. that was mine, and then it just led to later I played the guitar and stuff. But what was your pivotal gift? There must be something in there. I don't know. You know, I probably should have thought about it more intently before we did the podcast because I, I don't really know. It was probably um, it was probably one of my horse memorabilia things, you know, like a little statue of a horse or something like that. Because you really because wanted I, a horse. I was, you know, I've been a horse crazy my whole life. And, and you couldn't get a horse when you were a kid, so that, no, yeah. No, no. I mean, I really, you know, only now I have my horse, but I got her much later in life, so. But I think that was, I don't know, I mean... It's hard to say. I would love to hear what other people's pivotal gifts are. I think we, are. if you have a pivotal gift, and We'd you don't like to hear about and it, and we, you just mentioned that, but it doesn't have to be Christmas. But you know, quite often it is a Christmas gift, yeah, yeah. and and that's what they were talking about in this movie, and uh, you know, that's what I mentioned. But you know, it could be a pivotal gift at any time that really changes your life. Yeah. You know, and or I think that that was a very philosophical yeah, moment yeah. in the movie, actually. And and if you have a kid who's asked Santa for something, you know, consider that that might be a pivotal gift. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and what that would mean. I know, that's interesting to think about that. You know, if you give a PlayStation, that's like one thing, but if you actually, if they ask for something, it might be them saying, hey, this is what I want to be, or this is what I want to do. So uh, it'd be interesting to hear from from people to see what their pivotal gifts are, or maybe if they've noticed anything with their kids, what might be a pivotal gift. That's true, because like, for example, we gave... come join our Facebook group and tell us all about it. My brother got his uh, clay, you know, bunch of modeling clay when he was a kid. Oh, that's right. And that was, he, you could give him all kinds of toys. He didn't care about that. He would build, he would create these little dinosaurs and all this stuff. He was like, what, claymation? Is yeah, that what he, it was? Yeah. He loved that stuff. He loved that stuff. And, you and know, now he became an animator. And an now artist. He, and he, he direct, he designed our, Disney and, he designed our logo, you know, yeah. so, um, you know, so there's a pivotal gift. We you, have an actual Disney artist that designed our logo. That's right. That's cool. cool. So you, you can give somebody... Sometimes the thing they're really asking for is the pivotal gift. Yeah, so, that's true. I don't know. I thought yeah. that, that was an interesting part of this yeah. movie, and I thought it was. Yeah, it was great that, that Nina, and Nina the, put that into the yeah, script. Yeah. So I'd like to know what Nina Wyman's pivotal gift was. Typewriter. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Think. Maybe I don't know. Well, I don't know. Dictionary. Maybe it's the source. Hit. Maybe it was the same gift that uh, that Avery got. Maybe that was her. Maybe. Gift. So. Maybe so. All right. Well, anyway, I think. Uh, we've we've gone on long enough to. I know. So Cash me a few claws. You've just got to see this movie. You know, if nothing else, to see you can a, have a, a different kind of movie that Hallmark can make. You so. can have all your haul out the whatever movies, but <laughs> this one, this one is for me. This yeah. one is yeah. just. It's witty. It's smart. It's uh, it's got depth, and 
and fantastic and, performances. And fantastic yeah. performances, yeah. 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 So. All right, so we've come to the end of the show. Of course, we always remind you, if you'd like to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd love to see that. Uh, we're really appreciating that. And uh, also, uh, we have our Facebook group, which is expanding, and we have our Instagram site, and we have, you can email us, right? Yeah. And we've actually got, uh, we've got a couple more interviews to come. We've had, a, we've done a couple of interviews and we really love doing those because this, this is where we really get excited to talk to the actual people who make these movies yeah, and, yeah. and give them the, the, you know, the, the props they deserve because these are so much fun for us. And, uh, you know. Yeah. So we'll have one coming up, our next interview coming up shortly. So don't yeah. miss that. So yeah. anyway, I guess that's it for this edition of the Hallmark Cafe where love is always on the menu. Hallmark Cafe is a copyrighted program produced by High Horse Productions. Our theme song was written and performed by Diane Killen, and the Hallmark Cafe illustration was created by Daniel Killen. Be sure to find Hallmark Cafe on Instagram and check out our Facebook group. <laughs>